Presbyterian. Uh, there was a drop in the audio middle of the way through this recording, but I wanted to let you know that there was a handout that went along with this talk called The Deacon. You're in the third part of a Sunday school class called Redeemer Leadership, and we're discussing uh, the office of deacon, and this is somewhat of a roundtable discussion with Marcus and Jen Heinrichs, as well as other people within our congregation. And so if you would like that handout to follow along with this talk, you can always email me at matt at welcome to redeemer.com. Uh, thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. And so uh, I want to read a couple of passages of scripture, uh, Philippians 1, 1 through 2, and then 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Uh, just as laying the groundwork, I'm not going to like read this whole document. Um, you are more than welcome to read it on your own time. We're going to refer to it a little bit. But the bulk of our time is going to be spent asking uh, Jen and Marcus practical questions about what it means to be a, a deacon at Redeemer. Um, because it is a very practical office within the church. And uh, Marcus and Jen, I, I always uh, tell Jen that Mar Marcus and Jen are like my Priscilla and Aquila are the Priscilla and Aquila of Redeemer Church because they've been around here since the beginning. Uh, they do everything. They're the workhorse of the church. Uh, this place does not go without them. And so they know so much about the inner workings and sort of the, they're, the in, they're the engine, the, the gas of what makes this thing go. And so they're going to have a lot of uh, great things to say about not just the office of deacons uh, as a whole, but like what that practically looks like on the ground level here at Redeemer. And so let's, uh, let's start off. I'm just going to read these uh, first two passages. Um, and we'll, we'll refer to the Acts passage, but uh, I, I do want to just point you back to the document if you want to know more about where I stand on that particular passage. So Philippians 1, 1 through 2 says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So you see those two offices right there. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to skip down to 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And so the conclusion about deacons is that they are consistently associated with the elder or the overseer but a distinct office. Um, they, they appear to, to serve elders and they servant lead the church 
uh, the seven in the book of Acts share the responsibilities that the apostles carried out, and the seven led an organized deed-based ministry of the church to care for these orphans and widows that the elders were unable to care for with the constraints that they had with ministering, um, with prayer and the word. And the seven coordinated and distributed resources. Um, and in, according to our Book of Church order, uh, if, there, if an organized church doesn't have elders, all those responsibilities get funneled to, uh, or if we don't have deacons, all those responsibilities get funneled to the elders themselves. But we do have deacons within our church. And so uh, the bottom line here, the deacons serve the church by taking burdens from the elders and helping them oversee the whole church. And I think that's a good summary, uh, especially of what you and Jen have been doing, along with the other deacons that have served our church. And so one of the things that I want you guys to do, I want Jen and Marcus to come and sit here, sort of like interview style. And we're going to get a chance to ask them questions, okay? Do you want the pad one? No. <laughs> So, the term uh, diakonos in Greek means servant. It has a variety of ways it can be translated, but the the bottom line is it means to serve. Um, And one of the the ways I want to start off uh, with you guys is what... What are some things about being a deacon at Redeemer that you have really loved? Like, why, why do you do it, and why do you continue to do so much for the church? We were kind of talking about this on the way over, and, and um, I think it's just, it's just God made me this way. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to serve. Um, I'll walk around and see things that need to be done and make my list and slowly chisel away at it. Yeah, yeah. Jen, what about you? I think Marcus has rubbed off on me in the past. Since we got married, I don't think I was much of a servant when I was an only child. And <laughs> but I remember dating Marcus and watching his family serve and thinking... You know, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. But he has such a huge, generous, servant heart. I really do think that that is something that has developed in me too, um, from watching him. Yeah. Because he's he's in action. He's a doer, and um, that's his love language is serving and being served. So I think that's how God has developed in me too. Yeah. I think it's also rubbed into you know. I mean, for me. Uh, you know, having some type of a men's ministry, you know, um, and putting together activities and uh, cooking and uh, making sure people have hospitality. Yeah. For me, it's just all together. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what would you say is like, if, if you could sum up your, pra- your practical understanding of what it means to be a deacon and what you see from scripture and somebody came up and asked you, Marcus, like, hey, what does it mean to be a deacon? And like, let's say they're inclined to wanting to be a deacon at Redeemer, like they feel that internal call. How would you explain like, yeah, this is what a deacon is? 
Um, how would you how would you describe mm -hmm. the office itself? Mm -hmm. And and sorry, I, I think one of my drawbacks is, <laughs> is uh, I'm not the most compassionate person. <laughs> and and, That's and just so, not true. It's not uh, true. <laughs> so the beautiful thing about having Jim here, um, and don't get me wrong, there's uh, we had Sean Crager, they moved to Colorado. Uh, there's there's been various um, male deacons that we who definitely Alks, you know, uh, they're um, a lot more in tune with with the the mercy, the mercy side of uh, being the. I uh, sorry, I'm more. Um, I mean, like, what do my responsibilities look like? I think that's kind of what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah. And so. Um, Every Sunday morning, uh, you know, the church is opened and you're taking care of uh, communion. Uh, we've put together uh, a security team. Security uh, guys are at the front of the church. Um, the church is getting locked up before church starts, so we only have one entrance into the church, and that's past the security guy. The church, the the office is being locked up. Um, we're uh, walking around the church uh, throughout the service, ju just making sure that that everything is where it should be. And you're fixing everything that goes wrong with the church, or getting someone. <laughs> well, that's not really on a Sunday morning, but well, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it is part it of. Is. Job. That's right, putting out fires, making sure that things are, you know, operating. Yeah, and so, so like, if you look down here at page three, like, it, even in how you're hearing Marcus answer that question, it is extremely practical, right? So he walks into a space, and he immediately sees where there's a need or where he can do more. He can physically do more. And so part of what it means, like, if you, if you uh, sense a call to the diaconate, when you walk into a space, do you immediately look around and think, where is there a need? And how can I fill it? Uh, a practical need. And so Marcus is so instinctive about that, specifically, like, with, with his hands. Like, he just, he wants to help. Um, that's why he's a, a great deacon. But there's also another aspect of the diaconate and, the, and the, the call there is the mercy aspect. And so just like with a session, you have a diversity of gifts. Um, you need a diversity of gifts on the diaconate for it to grow and fully function. And so, yes. Sorry, can I go back to the practical? First? Yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing is, well, hopefully, I have a concern for people who serve regularly on Sunday mornings that yeah. they lose their opportunity to worship. Yeah. Um, but maybe this is saying that you, uh, it flows out of your worship, this is who you were made to be, to look around in this way. <coughs> is it that? Are you missing opportunity? Is it both? We, we originally started out with uh, three deacons, and you know, since COVID started a year and a half ago or whatever, we're down to one. <coughs> and so, yes, uh, I do. Um, now, now, don't get me wrong, um, Troy, has done a very good job of spelling me. 
uh, every three, four months or whatever, and and I'll probably uh, probably take one of those next month. Troy but Downey. Troy Downey. Yeah. Troy yeah. Downey. Sorry. No, no. To go uh, Troy. <laughs> yeah. And, and so yeah, there are uh, even David Patris has also uh, kind of been in this loop. But I haven't wanted to really uh, put Patris on four kids, all younger. So, you know, I'm always looking at, you know, that side of, of, of what's going on, too. But, yeah, good question. I, um, I do miss uh, being able to sit down just for a month at a time and um, sit next to Jen and listen yeah. to a message and yeah. not really have to worry about, yeah. Yeah. Running everything. Yep. Um, my question is about. Um, I know Matt kind of laid it out about the pros of having a heart for serving and what the mercy side looks like. But what are the downsides? What are the cons? What are the challenges that you face as a serving deacon in? church period not just at Redeemer but what what is it about the compassion that compels you or convicts you or convinces you that you need help in that area to be more um, emotionally or spiritually available to the mercy side as well as the serving side mm -hmm. You understand what I'm asking? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, practically, it seems like uh, it doesn't happen on a weekly basis, but sometimes we have people asking for money or... Just calling or, the church. Yeah, and 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 so, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough line to draw sometimes. It's like, are we going to take care of the people in the church or are we going to take care of everyone? Well, uh, there's guidelines and and different hoops that we make people jump through in order to get cash in the pocket. Um, and that's, we did that early on. Um, we looked at several churches and developed policy from that. And obviously, if you're a member of the church, there's more help because we're in community with you. Right. And the further removed you get from the church, we desire community. We desire to be able to help people at a spiritual sense. Um, so if you call for money, come to a church service and come to us. We want to meet you. We want to walk through whatever this is with you. Um, that cuts off most people who call. Um, hey, could you close that door? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, if we're at a church with someone, they're a member, and they're, they're walking through a hard time, we want to walk through that with them. We want to meet with them. We want to help them. Whatever, you know, what caused this? We want to... We don't want to just, we don't want to give people a band-aid. I mean, we want to serve them. We want to really help them and be discerning. Are there any challenges, though, for you oh, yeah. personally? Oh, yeah. I mean, and like I said, what, what are the cons? Because you're standing in a position where through your service and the mercy part of mm -hmm. the mercy side of it, you are helping the elders to encompass us as a community in the church and then surely there are challenges not just physically but like spiritually and emotionally and how to go about 
what it is that you do? Well, I would say, like Marcus said, it's a, I mean, you want to have compassion and love and be wise. And you have to look at the long game. I mean, you know, if Marcus asks me for money and I give him 50 bucks, but then, he, but then nothing's changed and he's still <coughs> struggling, you know, I really need to walk by Mark, with Marcus through whatever <coughs> is going on. That his need, the need that he has shown isn't maybe the need. The need is underneath. And we want to meet with someone and love someone at a different level than just the surface level. Because look okay. at the community of believers. And I think if you'd have a lot of those needs, that would be overwhelming. You have to, um, you just have to make sure that you're being compassionate. Because sometimes when you're being trying to be compassionate all the time and wise, you can get a little overloaded, get a little burned out. Um, and that's why having a bigger diaconate would be great, because I'm really handling all the mercy in the church right now. Marcus is handling more of the physical property. So that's one reason. I mean, we're doing it because we can as a team, but I would say we have more margin. To We used to talk a lot more about how we're going to serve the community. And Marcus and I just don't have the margin to take care of the church and dream about or you know really seek God's will of what he wants Redeemer's footprint to be here. Um, as far as loving people. Yeah, I'll be there in a second. Um, so, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's a challenge to love people well. It always is. Because we want to be selfish. We want to be, I don't want to be selfish, but I am selfish. Right. So helping people in my own perspective of how I should help them, I really need to go to the Lord and say, I don't know how to help this person. But we do have paradigm, a paradigm from working with a lot of people, and that does help us walk through things with other people because we've done it. Quite a few times. Yeah, and I think it's especially important when, you, when you're a deacon to have healthy boundaries, to be differentiated from the office enough to know that, like, I don't have to be swallowed by the needs of a particular uh, group within the church that, that needs a lot in that season. And so that's one of the things, like, if you, if you feel the call to being a deacon, typically you're somebody who, like, really, really uh, goes towards those who, who need a lot. And that type of person can tend to get overworked. Um, and what, what happens is that person gets buried under the expectations of those, com those people coming, coming at them for, for their needs. And so it's important if, if, if you are a deacon to, to realize that there needs to be a, a boundary there where you, you say, um, I know I can serve up to this limit, mm -hmm. and that's healthy, you know. Okay. Um, so that's one of, one of the challenges, and that's always going to be there. And I mean, because of the nature of this, the office itself, it's a servant. Yes, Stacy. How do you become a deacon? Well, um, I'm going to talk about the process for electing elders and deacons later on in in these talks, okay. and also I, I will say. I know I didn't give a lot of detail about the office itself or why Redeemer practices having deaconesses. That will be next week. Can the women do it? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's that's our. That's, that's our stance. But I know, and I know that may uh, produce a lot of questions. Let's let's save that for next week. Yes, Michael. So then, like, obviously you're on staff, and I know you kind of do a lot. So what's it like a weekly? With you, I know on Sundays you talked about like 
going through that, walking through the church, that on the, that Monday to Saturday schedule, mm-hmm. like how does that look for you? Yeah. Uh, for the most part, uh, if there's pray specifically for Jen and Marcus because they are doing that right now, so that they don't come into that burnout and get tired and give up and walk away before we can get new deacons. Well, I think, because we've been doing this for so long, we reached burnout a long time ago. (laughs) Like, Matt, you learn. You learn that, oh, you know, just because this person's asked me these 27 things doesn't mean that it's my responsibility to do those 27 things for that person. Mm -hmm. And once I learned that, that just set me free. I mean, it helped me deal with certain more people. And in what I felt God was calling me to do, instead of me just feeling like I had to meet all the needs around me, which is how I started doing this. I just see needs, and I felt just the, I need to do this, and then I have learned. So God has already shown, I mean, he still works too hard, but I feel like I have a better... But it's not just church. It's not just church. Yeah. That's just how he is. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we both have had... You know, we just can't do this. This need can't be met right now because it's physically not possible for us. So, I mean, that's a thing to ask for our new deacons. We need a bigger yeah. board with different visions. Right. I would love to have There's someone for that loves the community that can be a just help us plug in more because we're so um, really at this point internally focused. It'd be great to have someone who's helping us again. Um, I used to be that way, <laughs> but you know, as we shrunk down. It's been harder for me to keep track of the community and how we can serve them. So I would really pray that that would be, that God would raise up deacons and elders that well, have a heart. Where do you go in the community, dude? What, hon? Where do you go in the community? Well, that's what I'm saying. We need uh, to have someone. I know you need that, but where would you go to We go here. here so, so for instance, Stacy, um, one of the reasons why I came to this church was that the previous pastor said that Redeemer in Lincoln is mercy ministry bent. What's that? Well, I'm about to describe it. Um, and then Michael, Michael said, uh, our office admin, Jen, started reaching out to a lady named Tina um, in the community. Tina was brought into the church by Michael and Asha temporarily. Um, Tina needed a lot of care, currently still needs a lot of care. The reason why you're in this church is because of Tina. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? I I thank her for that. Right, right. And so, so like, the the diaconate uh, sees a need out in the community, and if there's margin to to care and to go out into the community during that season, that can produce lots of other folks coming into the church, uh, such as yourself and such as many people that Tina's brought in. Um, but to care for Tina takes a lot of discernment and takes a lot of work. Um, but she's a dear, a dear sister and an evangelist in her own right, you know. And so that's part of what uh, Jen means when, when there's a, we want to go out because when we go out, um, the church grows. Not only does the internal body grow in health, but that's what we're here for in this town, is to image Christ out in the community as well as serve, you know, the, the saints to do the work of ministry. Yeah. And like you said earlier, you mentioned earlier, 
as long as they have like healthy boundaries, I can only serve up until this point. Yeah. Then there's room for others to join and grow and help. For sure. In that. Yeah. Throwing out that net to mm -hmm. catch the fish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I would also say, I mean, I don't feel like I'm going to burn out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm not overworked. It has to be something that you love to do. And Wait, you said that yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, messed up my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and no, it's not just the church, but sometimes we do feel just from life. I mean, that's, and that's elders. Our elders can feel overwhelmed by their wives. It's not just the church. Mm -hmm. The church is one more thing that we're looking out for, just like our families, and where we, you know, our places of work, and it's one more thing. So we are just human, and we have limitations, and God doesn't, and so there's a lot of things we have to lay at his yeah. feet that we're not able to control or do, but he can show us how we can serve him in those ways. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I was going to say, was I, uh, I remember being younger, uh, and I mean, this is probably like 25 years ago when we were part of well, 15 years ago, we were part of Zion, and I, you know, they they started a deacon, uh, elder training, mm -hmm. and and you know, there's probably 20 people that showed up, and we just did, you know, once a week for nine weeks, and it was just in, interesting watching the numbers just kind of slowly dwindle, and and for me, I realized, you know, having four kids. Um, running a business that um, this was too much for I wasn't going to be able to do it well and do it so so I, I picked up this attitude that I was just going to see things around the church that you know I could um, specifically okay I'm going to take a Saturday and I'm going to take care of this right here and I, I figured that's how I was going to serve at that time of life yeah uh, but that is one of the beautiful things about where Jen and I are at right now. Uh, we don't have kids at home. Empty nuts. And, and uh, <laughs> Jen's serving in the capacity that she serves. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one more neat facet in our life that this is just one more thing we have good conversation about is what's going on in the church how it can be served better, and taking care of its needs. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a great team. It is a great team. Yes. It should indeed. be. We've been together long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Does else have questions? Well, how long have you been together? 30 years. <laughs> and you were yeah. talking about meeting the needs of people that are outside of our church community. Yeah. Do, you, do they still have a network that they've had in the past between churches so that you can make sure these people aren't trying to build different churches for the same thing. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? There is, there is a network. Okay. I wouldn't say we participate in that network, but I would say it's pretty easy yeah. you can to tell. Yeah. Um, I'd say at the beginning of being deacons, we were so excited that we had a budget. We could serve people. The people were coming in. We were helping with rent and everything. And it just... The, the call just kept expanding. Mm -hmm. You help one person, and it's as if they've got never, they've got never. They they, 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 they tell somebody else. Yeah. yeah, it really does snowball. So then we finally 
made policy. We were green at we the time. <laughs> we were very... Fool me once. <laughs> but we, were, we were excited about helping people. And then after so many people came, we are like, we, we'd be out of our budget in like a month. Mm -hmm. And so we started looking at other, you know, policies from other churches and how we should do this well. So then when we limited that and we had to meet and have several meetings for accountability, that almost dried up completely. Um, which we want to help people outside the church, but you know, I already explained why. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I feel like because of policy that's kind of helped. Yeah. Um, just a minute, Mona. I just want to make sure. Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. That other people get a chance. Yeah. I'm curious if you guys have talked about. I'm thinking specifically more of the practical building, you know, facilities kind of stuff. At what point do you think about like hiring somebody on the staff to take some of those responsibilities, or maybe philosophically or theologically, that's not what you guys want to do. I don't know. Like so, for for instance, like maintenance of the building. Um, we figure that out case by case. Yeah. You know, and we can um, hire people in the church to clean the church. So we're not, we just, yeah, yeah. So lawn care, snow removal, cleaning. Uh, it's all hired out. So the church does that. Like a facilities director, that would be something that maybe you guys don't think we're big enough for a budget, budget wise or facilities wise. And yeah. Wouldn't be working. I don't, yeah. yeah. I'm not foreseeing that being a part of a like, five year future at this point. Marcus calls other people. Like he's, I mean, we have big work days, but we'll also have a seven day where Marcus, like in our own life group, life group night for the guys one night, would just come to the church and paint. paint. No, we did, yeah, just did. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And there are uh, a small handful of people, guys in the church, that for me are a go-to. And, and uh, hey, if you can show up, you know, and put in two, three hours of hanging out and, and doing something, we, yeah, that's a good way to roll. So be careful if you're in Marxist. <laughs> Speed dial. <laughs> Anyone else have questions about it? Yeah, four minutes. What flavor? <laughs> Go ahead, Mona. Um, all I was going to say is with the definition of what a deacon um, having the heart of a servant is, and then having the biblical or scriptorial prowess, then um, we as human beings are limited, but it's like the super God added to our natural uh, helps us to have a better heart or a bigger heart. Do you see that happening with as you're going along? I mean, with the experience, experiences that you're acquiring, is it helping to define you in scripture and define what it is you're doing? Um, does that give you more of an incentive to continue doing it? Um, like you said, there was a point when you did reach burnout. Mm -hmm. And then looking at the scriptorial, what the scripture says about being a deacon or a servant, mm -hmm. and then all these qualifications, but then it's like as you continue to do what you do, and like Marcus said earlier, love what you do. Do you find that it helps you to like grow and mature spiritually, and then continue to do it, or yeah. get a second wind, or find that you know mm -hmm. incentive to 
yeah, I want to keep doing this and not get burned out. I think that anything, anytime you live out the gospel, that's what happens. And this is part of our lives of serving this way, but I think that anytime you call someone who's had a bad day, that you saw them in church and downcast, you call them and they're able to just give them a good word. Or anytime we, you know, we're working out our salvation. I mean, I do think that the more you serve, if you serve with boundaries, I mean, you do see, like, Tina's, you know, the ripples that have, you know, there's just been beauty, and I have learned so much. I feel like I've been in college for years with mm -hmm. Tina. Mm -hmm. I'm learning so many things about God and suffering and uh, um, people who live on the margins that that has, I mean, I can't, it's priceless what I've learned from serving people. But I do think he sanctifies us. He's the one. I mean, if you're serving, you're not serving out of love of Christ the way he served us, then you can't do it very long because yeah. in myself, I don't have the capacity to love others. Very, I mean, I have to pray that I love people a lot because I, that's not my bent. Um, I would say the Lord has just been good, mm -hmm. you know. And, and uh, I mean, for the most part, uh, you know, the opening and the closing of the church on Sunday mornings is, I mean, the bulk of, of, of what I'm doing. Weekly. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's not really a case for burnout. Yeah. Yeah. But you do, I mean, what, what Jesse said, you do need to sit in worship and, and think, I don't have anything to do, I'm just going to say yeah, from the word. I agree. So if Marcus is not sitting next month, then y'all. And <laughs> 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 if Jerry Downey's in charge, we still see him flitting around, then you just say, mm -hmm. <laughs> And, I, and I, will, I will say, we have had a lot of great um, assistance to the diaconate, like David Patches, like Troy Downey, like many of you. Um, that have aided and assisted the deacons over the past three years, especially. And so we appreciate all those mm -hmm. extra hands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, y'all, it's, it's 10 o'clock, so we need to end. Um, Andy, could I get you to pray for our, our, our beloved deacons? Sure. <clears throat> Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Marcus and for Jen, the way they've served this place uh, so faithfully. From day one, uh, before day one, they were serving. And so we thank you for them, for their lives, for their service, for their hearts. Um, I pray you'd continue to bless their ministry, that it be fruitful, that you do that. So thank you for you
love like you love because you first loved us we want to love like you love like you love because you first loved us we want to love like you